getting help keeps you from buying those horses. <laughs> Get somebody with some knowledge instead of it, you know, other than you'll and you know what will happen, Karen, is you'll end up buying a two-year-old Arabian at a horse show for your daughter. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans, by eventing fans. And of course, Karen, we can't ever start our Major League Eventing Podcast without thanking our sponsor, Exhibitor Labs, right Karen? Oh yeah, they're the best. They are the best. So everyone knows that we love their product line, the Quick Shampoo and Conditioner. It's the Quick Shampoo, Quick Conditioner. But then they also have... They have the Quick Silver, the Quick Black, and the Quick Color. Yep. So the Quick Silver, obviously, for your gray horses yes. to get them nice and bright, mm-hmm. right? And your Quick Black for your blacks and your dark bays. Yep. Then you have the Quick Color. Right. For your chestnuts and your light bays and your sorrels. Yeah. So, and again, those enhance the colors. So Exhibitors has you covered. No matter what type of horse you have, whatever color you have, you want to look the best out there, right, Karen? Exactly. And then they have Quick Sheen. Quick sheen. Yeah, make them nice and shiny. That's what I'm talking about. Shine bright like a diamond, can. That's <laughs> of what I'm course. Talking about. <laughs> so obviously, um, you, can, you can find the exhibitors at, at your favorite tack shop or online. So thank you so much, exhibitors. Join us at the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, October 14th through 17th, at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone located in Elkton, Maryland. One of the only seven equestrian events of its kind worldwide. You will experience the thrill of eventing with equestrians from around the globe. Enjoy a beautiful fall weekend in the country with activities for the whole family. To learn more and purchase tickets, go to maryland5star.us/tickets or call 410-MD5-STAR and follow Maryland 5 Star on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates from beautiful Fairhill, Maryland. See you there. Karen, I saw you got your blue box in the mail from Fairfax and Favor. I sure did. Um, I got the tan suede Regina tall boots. I saw that. I saw your unboxing video. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully people got to check that out on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. I hope so, because they are absolutely gorgeous. I'm totally obsessed. The scallop edging is beautiful. And what's best, like you get these interchangeable tassels and they come in all different colors and not just colors you could get zebra leopard print to match whatever you're wearing how do they feel they look very form-fitting and tall are they comfortable how, how do they feel they are very comfortable they have a memory foam insole oh, so i did about. wear them to work and mm-hmm. of course i got tons of compliments but they were very comfortable all day long great. and you could dress them up dress them down and they'll look great in whatever you're wearing yeah they, they look great on you i i am um, i'm very very impressed with with how they look and how they came and the packaging and everything like that so very very beautiful boots a plus plus for fairfax a plus and plus with a cherry on top <laughs> with the cherry on top awesome so everyone check them out go to fairfaxandfavor.com Triple Crown Feed. Oh, yeah. Triple Crown. Big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have tons of of great products out there. Mm -hmm. Premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. 
Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. Triplecrownfeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. It Triple is. Triplecrownfeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have yes. a great feed com- comparison tool on their website. I encourage everyone to get over there. Check out Triple Crown Feed's website. Check out the different products. Check out what makes them so special. And give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. R&J Equine Kinetics is a full-service conditioning, training, and rehabilitation center providing a unique program tailored to each individual horse's needs. Yeah, some of the services they provide, they have a water treadmill, a cold saltwater spa, a vibrating floor, equine massage, vet-administered class for laser treatments. They provide educational tours, individualized feeding programs for your horse, round-the-clock attention, they also offer trailer in services, equine transportation, and a limousine service. And some of the examples for the use of their equipment are for horses experiencing poor performance, lameness, and gait abnormalities, horses needing to improve fitness and strength before competition season, a way to balance asymmetries and rebuild muscle after atrophy, and returning to training after surgery, trauma, or injury, or prehabilitation. Learn more about RNJ Equine Kinetics at RNJ Equine on Facebook and EQKNETX.com. Taylor Harris Insurance Services. There for all equestrians, amateur and the professional. For all types and all breeds. No matter what discipline or level, Taylor Harris is committed to excellence in serving you and protecting the horses you love. Taylor Harris Insurance Services, your worldwide equine insurance specialists. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen, very excited for today's Major League Eventing Podcast guest. Yes, very excited. So in in honor of International Podcast Month and International Podcast Day, this is going to come out just after Podcast Day, but we always like to get on podcasters. You know, last year we had John and Rick on, Mm -hmm. and this year we're super huge fans of the Horse Radio Network, and... This podcaster in particular has two shows, Karen. So, Jamie Jennings, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm just honored to be here. This is so cool, and and I love how you're in. You know, you're a podcast, and you're not seeing us as competitors because we all have the same mission. There's enough people listening to go around, and I'm just really thrilled to be uh, a part of your show. And I can't wait to have you guys on ours. Oh. Oh, we're, we're nothing special. We're no fun at all. <laughs> so for anyone who maybe, I don't know, if anyone's listening to this show, I just assume they listen to the Horse Radio Networks. But Jamie is co-hosts with uh, Glenn Hebert on Horses in the Morning. So, of course, everyone definitely has to check that out if they haven't already. That's a fantastic yeah, show. Yeah, lots of fun to listen to. And then also, Jamie, you're a co-host on the Retired Racehorse Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. And... You're a Monty Roberts certified trainer, so you are you are going to be. We're so excited to have you on because of of the, so much you offer. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I've been in radio for. I mean, I started in radio like I, I tell Glenn I was in real radio for about 15 years in a, in the Atlanta market, and I started as an intern and worked my way up and ended up with a morning show uh, of my own in the Atlanta market, uh, Atlanta Morning Drive, and um, I worked on every station from my, I started in sports talk, and I went from 
sports talk to top 40 pop to alternative to and then i ended up in country music and uh then I ended up moving to Arizona because some boy <laughs> sucked me into Arizona. And um, I kind of gave up the, the gig for a while. I did some country music and uh, in, in, uh, country music DJ kind of thing in, in Phoenix. And then um, I, I had this opportunity to work for the Horse Radio Network and start this show called Horses in the Morning. And, and it's been, I, you know what's funny is and I don't know if you guys got this when you started your podcast. It was like, oh, you guys are going to talk about horses, like, as a show? <laughs> and I remember my husband saying, what are you going to talk about after two weeks? I mean, what can you possibly talk about? And we have done 11 years and 2,800 episodes at this point. Incredible. That's amazing. Incredible. You guys, <clears throat> you guys really are. And Glenn, like we, we, we want to get Glenn on too. Eventually, hopefully Glenn will come on. We, you know, I've, I've chatted with Glenn and so I'm sure one of these days, Karen, will get Glenn he, on. Jamie, you put the on. word in say, Glenn, <laughs> get on that show. They're okay people, but, um, it's okay. I know you'd rather have him than me. It's fine. But you know what? You're not about me. You're, For you're the record, we <laughs> shot to Jamie first. Oh, Jamie got the first, oh. the first reach out, the first invitation. So you were the first invitation. Bye. <laughs> but uh, no, you guys are definitely absolute pioneers in 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 the business. And uh, you know, you you guys paved the way for people like Karen and I. Mm -hmm. You know, and to be honest with you, when we started the podcast, I don't think, I don't think I told any anyone i know about the podcast for months and months and months i never shared it on my personal profile picture pa profile pages or anything i just was i was almost like embarrassed because i don't want people hearing my voice and stuff and thinking you know like an imposter syndrome thing you know and 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 so i figured i'm just going to go at this like with anonymity and an anonymity however you say that jamie i don't know but so yeah, so I was, and and we have people say, "Oh, you're gonna, how are you gonna, you're gonna run out of guests, you know?" And it's like, eh, not yeah, yet, you know, not yet. Well over two hundred episodes ourselves, nothing near the, the horse in the morning, but still, like, you know, if you love it, you can but talk about it all day long. Just, exactly. I mean, how many times have you had conversations at the barn, and and you just never run out of things to right. say? You know, you're like, oh, I've been here three hours. So I was supposed to be home an hour ago. You know, <laughs> like you can tell. I'm talking about horses forever. Clearly, I'm good at that. But, you know, it's funny. You're you're talking about anonymity. And I understand that because it sounds like something like, you know, sometimes if you're going to start a new venture, you don't want other people to see you fail at it, mm -hmm. to hear you screw up. You know, you want I get that. But I never tell anybody that I know what I do. I never tell anybody like I tell my friends, they do know what I do, but I tell them not to listen. Absolutely <laughs> do not listen to my podcast. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm probably talking about them behind their back. <laughs> and I don't want them to hear. I have heard Jamie talk about people that she's like dealing with daily. And I always want, I'm like, yeah, I wonder if they listen. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I do not tell. When I meet somebody, like I go horse shopping or I'm like, I am anonymous. I am just Jamie and I don't know what you're talking about because I'm going to look at your horse and it's going to be, you know, this really funny, disastrous horse shopping experience. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about yeah. it. So, 
That's so funny. I listen. Like I say, I listen. And, uh, you know, like recently you were talking about, uh, and we'll get into like your training, but like you, you, you were talking about helping someone load a horse and their trailer was too small. And like, it, it, you know, you're trying to help train this horse to get on a trailer that clearly wasn't supposed to fit. And, uh, I'm thinking, I wonder if that person listens to the show and yeah. they're here and they're. <laughs> and also farm boy. <laughs> God, I hope not. I hope not. I think I'd, I'd lose a lot of business if everybody knew what I did. <laughs> we got two separate people here. We have the horse trainer business and then we have the radio show. That's so fun. So, hey. Um, exactly. We, we always want to know, since you're coming to us by phone, where, where are you at right now? You're, you're not home, are you? I am not home. I am currently at Monty Roberts Farm, flagged up in Solvang, California. Um, kind of got asked to come out here and consult on a couple of things. So, you know, the the wonderful thing about about my husband is he's an airline pilot, so I can hop on planes for free and fly wherever I want at like a moment's notice. So I said, sure, I'll come out tomorrow. And so I hopped on the plane and I've been doing some consulting today and I'm going to go home go home tomorrow. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm currently at my Monty's place and I don't think there's a more beautiful place on earth than this place. I've, I've yeah. seen the videos of that place and pictures. It is, it does look beautiful. It'd be nice to get out there and check that out. I was worried, Karen, this morning, I'm listening to the horse center word in, in the morning show. And I hear Jamie says, I'm out in California. I turned my phone off. No one can get in touch with <laughs> me. I, I said, it too, Oh I like, no, <laughs> I hope Jamie answers the phone for us at least. <laughs> I, you know what, I haven't, I had to keep my schedule. I know what's going on, but yeah, I actually had intended on, on talking to you guys through Zoom, but the internet connection, as beautiful as it is here, is not super amazing. So Zoom was not going to be an option. So I didn't forget about you. I was worried. I was like, oh, she's in Shangri-La. She's out there sipping, <laughs> sipping some California wine and, and uh, forgetting all about us. But nah, so thank you so yeah. much. Thank you again. So, uh, well, let's get into Karen. What yeah, else? let's get into it. So, Jamie, one thing we love to do on our show is we love to hear the origin story of how you got your start in horses. So, can you take us back and tell us your story? Oh my gosh, I feel like it's uh, well, I, I was three years old. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, the, I mean, the, the origin is I was born like every other you know horse crazy girl, and I wanted a horse, and I. Got a, I was that girl in school that got a pony and I was it. But, you know, my, my life has been, I, I showed the hunter jumper forever. And then I moved to Lexington when I was a teenager and uh, worked at the Kentucky Horse Park. And, and I worked at Champagne Run Farms and I was a riding instructor out there and I was probably 20, 20 years old, but I've been showing hunters my whole life. And so I was given hunter jumper lessons. And then, uh, then I got the opportunity to jump in a Jim Graham clinic with my horse and, and, and try out this cross country thing. And I'm not kidding you. I was hooked. I mean, hunter schmunner. I am no longer in that world. I am an inventor <laughs> for life. That's right. It That's was the, <laughs> right. Like once you do it, you like everything else doesn't make sense. This makes sense to me. So I was able to, my first horse trial ever was Champagne Run at the park and completed that. And oh my God, I don't know. I've, I've ever had more fun in my entire life than running a cross country course. And I, I have not shown in a 
serious hunter show since then, you know. <laughs> so I, it just completely changed my life uh, as far as the uh, being introduced to eventing in Lexington. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. We didn't have cross country in Atlanta. <laughs> well, you know what, Jamie? Believe it or not, Atlanta, Georgia is our number one city for listening to this podcast. Can you believe that? Yeah, all you people in Atlanta right now, let me tell you something. All that crap didn't used to be there, okay? <laughs> when I was growing up, you could go to Will Park in Alpharetta and go to a horse show there, but there was no Chattahoochee Hills. You know, the, uh, Pine Top, you know, I didn't, if, if I knew about Pine Top, I mean, I never knew about it. I didn't know about eventing. There was one pony club facility in Noonan, Georgia. And that's all I remember as far as eventing. So I did a little, you know, I went to a couple of pony club meetings, but my parents weren't super helpful. Uh, so I didn't, you know, get to follow up on that because I live north of Atlanta and uh, south of Atlanta. And it's like, you know, the traffic and all that. But, but yeah, no, now, now Georgia is this ginormous mecca of eventing. And it makes me so mad that I don't <laughs> live there anymore. I didn't get to experience any of that. Oh. So sad. Yeah, I know. Now you gotta get where you're. You're in what Oklahoma? I thought you're in. I am now. Yeah, in Oklahoma. Uh, I spent the last. I'm, I'm recent. I'm new to Oklahoma, but I spent the last ten years in Arizona, and I trained with Barb Crago. And oh my gosh, every horse trial is forever away. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing close. We would go to California and go to Galway Downs or go to Copper Meadows. And uh, that a three-day ranch when it was still going, but everything was seven hours away. And then every once in a while, you could go to Coconino up in Flagstaff. They had a couple horse trials a year, and uh, I know they've now added one more in Tucson. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, you know, we would just travel for hours. Oof. That's always incredible. I'm, I'm very impressed with our with our listeners and the guests that we have on that live outside of the eventing kind of areas. Yeah. And- our and West Coasters. Much, oh my goodness! Such dedication. So I'm hoping we get, you know, we're hopefully we can get more shows and we can promote these shows that are in these kind of lesser known areas for eventing, and hopefully they can start getting more and more, you know, people coming out. And if you get more people eventing in the area, they'll, you know, more, more people will host events. You know, so that's our our hope. Right, right. Well, I live really close to. Um, what has been an event in Oklahoma for quite some time called Feather Creek Farm. And Feather Creek used to have, uh, up until I moved there, they had sanctioned horse trials. And now they're just, a, they've decided to just take it back down to schooling because, you know, they're overhead and she's by herself and she runs the farm. And, and so Feather Creek was close by and I got to compete there once before you know, getting my horse ready for the makeover. And so I got to compete there once and now they don't have the, the recognized shows anymore. <sighs> That stinks. What about flyover? You have room for combined tests there or anything good like that? I have been building flyover farm for the last two years. And I would like to tell you that I currently have three cross country obstacles now. Ooh. I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Now you got to start somewhere. This. I know. I had my husband build a bank jump and then my father-in-law had to take a tree down on his property. And I was like, I want that. I want that yeah. log. <laughs> it starts with just that one log. Just the one. That's great. Do you <laughs> still, uh, do you still yeah, have time yeah, to but, event and jump and stuff now? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 
So I, I train horses. You were just asking about my, my four way ray into horses and, and, uh, I full-time train horses now, but yeah, I still jump. It's, it's just a matter of having a horse that sticks around long enough for me, you know, cause I adopt a bunch out and I rehome thoroughbreds and I do lots of stuff. So it's been a, it's a struggle to, to, to keep one cause everybody wants them. Uh, but yeah, so, so I do have one that I'm bringing along now cause I would really like to compete again. I really miss it. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that is awesome. You have, so I feel bad, Karen, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm so excited. There's so much to talk to you about. So can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> your Monty, like, how did you get into the, like transition into the Monty Roberts training? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, when I was doing the podcast, I mean, I knew who Monty Roberts was growing up. I saw him do a demo when I was like 15, you know, 19 in Kentucky. And I, I, I've always thought his stuff was interesting. And I've always thought I did some sort of version to join up if I had a horse in a round pin. And, and, uh, when I started doing horses in the morning, we would have Monty on as a guest. And talk to his daughter, who's who kind of runs the farm now, and she's the host of Horsemanship Radio podcast. And so they were doing a demo in Arizona, and I thought, well, I really want to go and meet Debbie. <laughs> you know? So I've talked to her on the radio so many times, I want to meet her. So I get there, and she's giving me tickets to the event, and I watched her dad do things from yeah, you know, join up to getting a on a horse a starter that you know and and half an hour and then i watched him do a clipper demonstration and a horse that wasn't low and and i was like you know i my impression of monty roberts was that it was just join up but that's just the foundation and everything he did i was blown away by because you know i studied under you know, I, I, I did a John Lyons thing and I did a, you know, I tried Clint Anderson and, and some of those things are too, one in particular is just too abusive and it would scare me. And, you know, Monty's methods and, and concepts are all, there's, it's all nonviolent. Everything is nonviolent. You take the violence out of horse training. When you take the violence out, it makes it so much more fun and I could train, I, I was, I was watching him and I thought I have got to learn this because it's all encompassing. I'm like, the dude can do everything. So they were hosting a, a course here. They have courses and classes here and it was gently wild horses. And it was the first one they were ever going to hold. And so I decided to come and hopped in the truck and brought some horses to play with while I was going to this class here. And, and did the Gently Wild Horses course. And I realized how much of horse training is not so much about, you know, in eventing, we are like, let's get the heart rate up. We got to get this horse fit. We got to get this horse moving. And in this concept, it's, it's controlling your own breathing and controlling your own adrenaline and letting the horse synchronize its adrenaline with you and being present and being calm and being relaxed. And, and, and when you have a horse, that has joined up and wants to be near you rather than wants to be away from you. Everything is so much easier. So I did that course and, and I was done and it was amazing. It was two weeks long and I thought I want to do something else. 
something else, something else. I never went out to get certified, but I just kept coming back because I just wanted to get better. How about that? So how did you go finally decide you wanted to be certified? Was it kind of like you got to the end of all the courses and that was all that was left was to just become a trainer? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You have to do, so you do an introductory course and then you have to take an exam. And I was like, I'm not going to take any exams. I'm 37, you know, at the time. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Um, But then I finished the intro course. And the only way you can take the advanced course is to do the exams. And I thought, all right, fine. I'll take this one. But I'm not going to go any further. So I took the advanced course. And then I was like, well, dang, I might as well get it now. I'm halfway. I'm over halfway (laughs) there. So. You know, it's it's such an amazing life change. I was 40 years old when I received my certification. And it's a testament to like, you know, you can, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you want to do something, you do it. You know, I just thought it would be too hard, you know, but the more I learned, the easier it got and the more natural it came and the more you practice and you study and you adopt these concepts of nonviolent training and it, it, it's so fun that as I as I learned more, I wanted to know even more. And then getting certified for something at 40 is, I just thought, why would I do that? I'm 40. And can I just tell you guys, right now, it is October. I do not have a slot in my barn for a training horse until January 15th. Wow. I am booked months out. Wow. That's amazing. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. I I just, I feel like there's some people that really, you know, they want their horses started properly and they want their horses started without violence. You know, when, when you start a horse in, in, in the first saddle or taking a race horse off the track and you give them no reason to have any fear, good Lord, things go so much faster. And I think people really are, are starting to appreciate that and understand it. Gotcha. So is that your, your, your main training business is that is that kind of what people bring them to you for is like the retraining getting back on their saddle or or breaking them from scratch is that what you normally do and then send them back or how's this work well i will i'm going to stop you there because one thing that we want to take out of the vernacular is the word breaking i said breaking backing backing fair is backing what's the correct term i i i call it starting them you got to start them okay you know but but that, the whole idea of breaking is a it's a it's a it's an archaic term for the way that traditional horsemen treated horses and and you know as eventers we're not traditional there's nothing traditional about eventing you know I mean the way that we keep changing the sport and everything is fluid yes it's based in tradition but as eventers you know we have to figure out then that there's new technologies and everything and and you keep evolving right so. I want to help it evolve that word and get it out of the uh, vernacular anyway, but uh, sorry, tangent, but (laughs) I I, I think that's very, very fair because you know what? Like I, I, I've heard you talk like that, you know, before on your show and, and I do hear, and I do, and I do recognize that that does sound, you know, like you're, you're taking their spirit away and that's, and that's the opposite of what any of us really truly want, you know? And uh, so I get it. I totally get it. And I appreciate you. 
Um, so yeah, I actually exactly did that on purpose. You, you fell right into my trap, Jamie. I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> Don't believe him. <laughs> you're, you're so clever. Oh my gosh, you sucked me right in. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the last thing we want to do with event horses is break them. I mean, good lord, stay sound and stay sound of mind and sound of body. You know, please. Right. Um, but yeah, so so I work with a, a rescue called Horse and Hound Rescue Foundation, and horses that come off the racetrack. You know, they're done running. You know, fortunately, with the Retired Racehorse Project and all the work that has been done to champion thoroughbreds, people are now, instead of running them till they break, they run them. And when they're done, they can responsibly retire them. And so they get retired to this farm in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And I competed in the RRP in 2019, and I adopted my horse from there. And I just moved to Oklahoma and I met the lady, Nelda Kettles, who runs it. And I, I, you know, I talked to her and, and she ended up putting in for a grant from the ASPCA and the Right Horse Initiative to get a training grant to train some of these horses because there's a huge gap between a racehorse and a show horse. And so what needs to be done is that gap needs to be bridged. But not everybody can take a horse off the track and restart it and correct behaviors and or fix things. So that is primarily what I do. And I love, love, love it. It is so rewarding to take a racehorse and to deprogram and reprogram them. You know, they don't know how to go stop, turn back up. A lot of them don't have manners, you know, and then you, but thoroughbreds have such amazing brains and, and if people and the trainers are doing a great job now of retiring these guys before they're completely finished, you know, and they can still have a second career. And so that's happening a lot more in the thoroughbred industry. And so I've been blessed enough to be able to train a lot of these horses. And now we've made the, we don't need the grant. It's self-sustaining now. And it's just been, it's just been so much fun. Wow. That's amazing. It is. That is so good. I just saw where Jessica Redmond, who out here our way, she does a lot of off-the-track thoroughbred sales. And I think she said she sold 50 off-the-track thoroughbreds for sport in this quarter. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. But those are sound horses. You, you know, these are horses that, like, she'll get them in, and if they're a little ouchy here and there, she'll get them fixed up. And she sells them. But again, that's like, that's, that's pretty incredible because I, I know years ago, I mean, like you say, they'd all be broken. You know, they'd all have been so drugged up and everything that by the time they got off the track, they were. Run them till you can't can't squeeze a race out of them, you know? Incredible, right. Incredible. So thank God that's that's stopped. Yeah. You know? So, and, and am I right? Did Stuart Pittman start the Retired Racehorse Project? Was that a Stuart Pittman started? He that? did. Yeah. He did. That was his big idea. You know what? We and we interviewed him on Horses in the Morning. If you go to horsesinthemorning.com and type in his name, Stuart Pittman, it'll come up with that very first episode where he was introducing the idea of it. And to have followed him along, and he had this, he just had this vision of, of changing the industry. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that because he is just a mastermind. And I really believe he set out to change the industry and he did. And, and he's kind of been the pioneer of this whole thing. And, and he's an inventor and he was a breeder, you know, also, and I don't think he does that anymore. He just, he kind of put his head down and focused life on, on improving 
the uh, off the track thoroughbreds. You know, when I was 10 years old, my first horse ever was an off the track thoroughbred. I, that's all I wanted when I was a kid. And people were like, you might, they're like, you, you might, you think you bought your daughter a thoroughbred? Right. What? <laughs> you know, and now how much of us love them, especially for eventing and, and, and all the things that they, that they can, they can do anything and they do anything well, you know, I mean, that's what the retired racehorse project has proven that these guys are so versatile and they have such an incredible value after they're racing. But you asked me what I do as business. I also take, uh, I also start babies for people or um, fix problems. Like, you know, like I just got a, a bucker that came in. Why is it bucking? And then I have to sort that out and figure out why and what we can do about it, you know, or like, horses that don't load in trailers it's a big problem for people you all know that person at the show who's standing there at the end of the dang show can't get their horse in the trailer so i work on that i didn't know it was us once we've all been there (laughs) yes wow so you do all that so that's a little bit i do just a little bit of everything that's fantastic when you take a horse in do you uh like the ones that you're getting in from like the um you know, you know, from, from the rehoming places, are you, um, are you kind of also trying to figure out what discipline they would be suited for? Or is that not really what, what you do? Or is it? Uh, oh, that's absolutely what I do. So the rescue, we have a nice partnership because the horses will go there and get their downtime and get their rest and get fixed up with whatever needs to get fixed up. And then when they're ready to be restarted, that's when I go get them. And I bring them in and, you know, they don't know anything about the performance aspect of like what a racehorse can have potential for. But, you know, you and I could see, oh, that looks like a hunter, mm-hmm. you know, oh, that looks like an event horse. And then sometimes there's soundness issues and this one's only going to be available for like light trail riding, you know. And so it is a big part of what I do. And that's that's letting, pe- you know, kind of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make a post. I'm like, hey, guys. Who wanted a big giant gelding that's going to event? Here it is. Or I'll post, you know, a, a tiny mare. And, and, you know, I send a lot out to be polo ponies. If they're 15, two and under and they're mares, they just get sucked right up to the polo world, which is awesome. And, and so, yeah, definitely a huge part of it is trying to decode what I think they'd be good at and what they want to do. You know, you can't make a horse do anything. But you can make them make them want to do it and then they will do it. But, you know, they all have their kind of special gifts that they that they have. And, and decoding that is part of the fun. Yeah. And it's funny, like you mentioned, your first horse was a thoroughbred when Karen and I were dating. So Karen mm-hmm. and I are high school sweethearts. So we go yes. way back. And I remember like, your you were like, I remember when we were first starting dating, you were like, oh, thoroughbreds. We were like, you know, like they were wild and you weren't allowed to have one. Yeah, I wasn't up. allowed to have a thoroughbred because they were too well. hot. Karen was on <laughs> as well. <laughs> but then my parents bought me an Arabian. So, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, un, 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 unstarted, a baby. Unstarted, a baby. Two, yeah, two. Two baby, two young Arabians, but I wasn't allowed to have a thoroughbred. Yeah, because they were crazy. <laughs> Oh my God! They were they were gonna kill you one way or another. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Nice. I I actually love Arabians and love thoroughbreds, and and there's a particular reason why. I find that there's a lot of trainers, especially in Oklahoma, they think that thoroughbreds and Arabians are 
waste of time. But I like to think it's because they're just not good enough of trainers to appreciate. You know, they're hot blood. That means they dissipate heat quick because they're running through a desert or they're running a race mode with their bread to do. And so their nerves and their vessels are really close to their skin. So you have to be a lot more sensitive than you would be to a cold blood or a warm blood who they can't they carry their nerves a little further inside to stay warmer when they have to. So how did that work out with your two-year-old Arabian as a child? Um, well, one put me in the hospital twice. <laughs> so um, not, you weren't you weren't being but, guided. You were, no, like, I I was of- I was pretty much on my own training, and um, but I mean they were extremely smart. They were beautiful, and they were and great um, learned quick. Um, but you know I was they're difficult though. Those are hard horses to train. They're difficult, and they're so sensitive, just like the thoroughbred. They're so much like you have to they dial everything up to a 10. And so what did your parents think that like, they were going to have you guys grow up together? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> my, my parents just went to the, uh, the East coast Arabian championships and they were like, Oh, yep. That's what we want. <laughs> and just, you know, we were behind them. It's like, all right. <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah. my gosh. You're lucky to be alive. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad you're here. <laughs> When, it, when the weather gets cold, I got to hear her grumble about yeah. all the injuries from the yeah. <laughs> inflicted but. from the Arabians. But, but, um, but. now, and uh, you know, yeah. back to the Stuart Pittman. I remember, so we're in Maryland. I remember at the uh, Maryland Horse World Expo is where we first saw Stuart Pittman doing the demonstrations with the thoroughbreds, and that's where we got introduced to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just thought that was fantastic, and that was years ago. And we're so happy to see how it goes. I mean, our son, he's competing a thoroughbred eventing, and. A wonderful horse, super smart. I mean, we love him. You know, yeah. he's a great, great horse. So we're definitely pro thoroughbred in this household for sure. So, and um, I think Stuart yeah. Pittman now is a legislator in Maryland. I think he's part of like the state legislation. So oh, who knows? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he was getting into politics. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? We might never see him on a horse again. We have to get him on the show one yeah, day. Yeah, we Can should. Be our first politician. That'd be something else. <laughs> <laughs> politics and horses. Right. Yeah. Do, do you. If someone wanted to, you know, like, do you recommend the Monty Roberts courses for people? Like, is that still something that's available for people to take take these courses and, and go and learn to be an instructor or a trainer? Oh, my gosh. If you guys want to be like, I feel like I've been given the answer, you know, to, to it, it teaches you how to decode the, the language of the horse and every it's so incredible. Just things are so clear. Most of the time, you know, and there's a there's a system in place. I 100% recommend if anybody is a likes to train horses, get involved in this and come on here and take some courses. Start with the intro course, and and work your way up. I, I, I mean, I am so busy. I cannot. I am booked through January 15th. I am so busy with horses to train. I would really appreciate some the rest of you picking up the slack <laughs> and getting certified. So I don't have to work so hard. There we go. See that it's just like podcasts, and the more the merrier. You know, the right. more it, when you're in a good thing, you welcome other people to join you in that good thing. You know, when I think it's yeah. all, it comes from a good place. So I'm with you. Hey, could you tell us a little bit about your retired racehorse? Uh, experience because I know you you did mounted archery and I thought that was really cool. So could you just you know tell us a little bit about that experience and and um and how, how you got into mounted archery you know on this horse? Okay, yeah. So 
I, I got a horse. I decided I wanted to do the RRP and I went and I bought, a, I adopted a three-year-old who has proven to be one of the more difficult horses that I've ever trained because come to find out like any experience he had on the track, I ended up contacting his trainer who, you know, when he needed shoes, they'd give him dorm. So he didn't know how to like have his feet picked up. Right. But he was so pretty and I loved him. Um, so I, Took him to, um, I decided I was going to obviously event him. And then, uh, and Glenn was pressuring me, you need to do a freestyle. That's all the fun stuff. You need to do a freestyle. And I, I don't know what a freestyle even is, you know, <laughs> what are you doing that? I don't know. <laughs> so, um, the mounted archery started because I just thought, what have I, I watched a ton of videos of people doing freestyles and, you know, I'm not a Liberty trainer. I don't know how to teach tricks. I don't, I know how to teach a horse to jump things. So, and I know how to now at this point with the, 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 the concepts that Monty teaches, I, I can get a horse to, I, I can figure out how to, to kind of desensitize them to things like archery. So I, I'm not an archer. I had never shot a bow and arrow in my life, but I, I was looking at the, the videos and I thought, what has nobody done? You know, nobody has done shooting bows and arrows. So I just started with this horse and I, I, you know, I put him in the round pin and I had the target and he would stand behind me and I would practice shooting in the round pin. Just whoop. And I mean, I would miss a lot. <laughs> Don't stand behind me. Don't stand behind the target. Hit. <laughs> behind me first i was like and, look at no one is safe <laughs> yeah yeah it's the horse behind me and then then i brought him closer on the lead rope and closer and then it, it's like he didn't care about it and then i stood up on a mounting block and i leaned over his back and i was shooting you know i, I after i touched him everywhere with the bows and the arrows and he was used to the target and then i finally one day i was like all right let's get on and i shot off his back and he was so used to it by then he didn't care so I practice that, and and what what my experience in the RRP is. This is what I tell people. So when you're an inventor, you do three disciplines. You know, you're a dressage rider, you're a show jumper, and you're a cross country rider. And then I threw on top of that freestyle and mounted archery, which I've never done before. And I'm not kidding. It was just, it was so much work. <laughs> it was so hard. Oh my gosh. I tell people when they go, I'm like, just focus on doing one thing or at least not four, because I, I really, I mean, I worked harder. I worked so hard to prepare for that because I didn't want to embarrass myself. I knew Glenn was going to be there, but jerk <laughs> laughing at me if I fell off. <laughs> but yeah, the, the mountain archery thing, I just, I started building on it and then I'm riding him and I was walking and then we started trotting and shooting and then we started cantering and shooting. And, and then I was like, okay, well, this is easy. How can I make this even harder? So Flaming then arrows. I was like, what if, uh. yeah, yeah. They won't allow fire in the shows uh. and freestyle. There's uh. no fire allowed. Ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, how can I make this harder? So I started, I was, I was like, well, let's pop balloons while I'm shooting a target. Like, why not? So I started popping and this is, this is, this is your free training tip of the day. Okay. So 
how do you get a horse to let you pop balloons right under it as it canters by without dying? So I started popping balloons in the barn while the horses were eating. So I'd feed them all. Blow the balloons, pop. Blow up another balloon, pop. Blow up another balloon, pop. And by the time they were done, I was dizzy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized it it was about, gosh, I started doing this in probably June 1st, say. Well, July 4th came and all those fireworks and all the things. And I usually bring the horses in so they're not going to be running around scared. Not one of these horses cared a bit about the fireworks. How about that? No big deal. Because I've been popping balloons in their faces for a month, <laughs> you know? So if you want to prepare your horse for 4th of July, blow up some balloons and pop them with a pin. And um, anyway, so I started shooting the arrows. And so then I started shooting while I was walking, trotting, cannery. And then all of a sudden I'm dressed in a Katniss Everdeen onesie galloping around the indoor at the horse park. Uh-huh. Shooting bows and arrows. Incredible. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it went off without a hitch. Everything went everything went well. You survived. You know what? I hit every target. I mean, I crushed it. And 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 I think they changed the rules a little bit. And I had some awesome music and I had the outfit and other things, but they changed the rules a little bit to take out that theatrical portion Aww. and make it more about you know, all the other things. And so I, I think I finished 11th out of 35, you know, I don't remember, uh, but anyway, just out of the time, I know I finished 11th and, uh, but you know what? I couldn't have been prouder of what I did. It didn't matter where I finished. I mean, I, I worked so hard to get that done and I evented the next day and I think, you know, I got the DFL award for that one. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Was that on the same thoroughbred? Yeah. Oh my yeah. It was a lot of work. It was crazy. This poor horse. Uh, do you guys know what the DFL award is? Did not fall? No. No. Dead freaking last, but you oh. don't say freaking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what? I finished with a number. You, you always want to finish with a number and not a letter. So I did not fall off. I finished with a number, not a letter. No E after my name. There you there go. You go. Love it. That's awesome. That what an awesome what an awesome experience. Yeah. Man, oh man. That is really cool. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds crazy. <laughs> Double entry. It was, you know. Yeah, when I first started, we just moved to Oklahoma and I didn't have a barn or arena. And so I basically was training this horse in a twenty acre field, which I don't recommend doing that. Um <laughs> if you like your life. <laughs> I remember hearing the show when you moved there and it sounded like you had a lot of a lot of work to do. So that's uh pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Getting the, getting the farm ready and a horse yeah. for the RP. That's incredible. Hey, um Yeah, no, I uh, nothing's easy. I don't like to make anything easy. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't sound it. You're so busy. Hey, can you tell us a little bit uh you know, we talked about the horses in the morning podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about the retired racehorse radio show that you do and then and then we'll move on from there. You know, I'm really, I'm really proud to do this show. I did not have the the kind of training off the track thoroughbreds gig that I had, but I had decided as when we started Retired Racehorse Radio a couple of years ago, that I was aimed for the makeover. So I had my makeover horse. So it was a natural kind of thing to, to jump into this. And um, we had 
you know, it wouldn't be possible without the sponsorship from Kentucky Performance Products. First of all, they're the greatest supplement company in the world. Like everything they make is amazing. But also they really are involved in sponsoring a lot of the shows from the Horse Radio Network and a lot of the, you know, you'll see their advertisements everywhere. They do a great job sponsoring and and they decided to do a show about racehorses. I mean, they're in Kentucky. And uh, so they came to me with this idea and I, you know, my, my co-host Joy and Karen from KPP uh, came to me with this idea and I said, I'm in. I mean, how how fun is that? Talking about my favorite thing and getting to meet people from all over the world and that that are involved with thoroughbreds. Yeah. It's a wonderful show. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, we have a thoroughbred or our son competes when we're, I guess we're part owners yeah, in that horse. We, yeah. I mean, but, um, it's part ours. Part ours. <laughs> we just don't ride them or anything. But, um, <laughs> You know, you know, like like you have great stuff on that show. Like you had a bit expert on, and I learned that the the thoroughbred mouth is sometimes too small for a rubber bit. And here I'm thinking rubber bits would be more humane and yada yada. And here sometimes, you know, the, so that's the type of stuff I learned from that show. So I hope people check that out as well because it's a very, very good show if you're if you're you know inventing a thoroughbred. You know what I mean? So thanks you know, for I, that show I, we we learned yeah we learned about a guy who like uses thoroughbreds in falconry you know there's just there's just no limit you know the horses do polo and do falconry and and uh other i mean it's just a bit amazing to to find out all the different things people do with their thoroughbreds and so cool I love it. I love it. So mm-hmm. definitely, I mean, hopefully people get a good little snippet of everything Jamie does here. So this was, um, y- you know, I mean, th- thank you so much for sharing all that stuff. So um, I-, I just, it's fun to have someone who does this podcasting and is a horse trainer and an eventer. So it's also, hey, question for you. One last question. Hopefully this isn't a, a touchy subject. As an eventer, do you, and Amani Roberts trainer, are you okay with carrying a stick? or a crop for riding? You know, that's a great question because Monty does not use whips. And and I, I understand sometimes as an eventer, you know, as eventers, nobody should be using a whip to cause pain, right? But sometimes you need, you know, people use bats as extensions of their legs, you know, an extension of their leg for a dressage whip. And extend, as, if you're not using these things, in a violent fashion, then, you know, they're, they're an extension of your leg. Do I carry a crop? No, I don't, because I feel like I should have prepared my horse before I got there. And if I, if I didn't, you know, if I have to, if I have to hit my horse to get it to approach a fence, you know, come on. But if you're using it, you know, like, Hey, wake up, you know, if you need to, you have a horse that needs a little bit more focus and you have to go bump, bump on your boot or something you know what, you know what you're doing with that whip and if you're being violent or not. And it's just a, it's a personal choice. Gotcha. Excellent answer. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, thank you for that. That was something I definitely was curious and, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I think that, like you say, well, you, know, you know what you're doing with that. You know, if you're, if you're getting violent with it and we all know what that looks like. And so I get it. Yeah. You know what? You only have one person to answer to and that's you. And then you only have one, one animal to answer to and that's your horse. And, they, and he knows and you know what your intention is with that. That being said, if I carried a whip, I would be shamed publicly because all I, you know, try to do is get whips out of racing and get people to not use whips. So I can't do it because then I 
you know, be made fun of and be called a thing. But like, you know what, as long as you're using, using your tools responsibly. Yeah. Right. You know, and I heard that, I think I heard that from Monty on one of your radio shows was talking about maybe getting whips out of racing. And I found that very interesting. And I'm pretty much for it. I think that at the end of the day, you would really know who's the horse that wants to be out in front the most. I don't know. I think that's kind of a, that, that that's very interesting. You see yeah. the jockeys lay into those whips too. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, yeah. it, is, it does. Oh my like, God. In, in this world of us trying to prove that our horses are our friends and that they want to be doing the jobs that we're doing. And we want the world to not ban horseback riding and we want PETA out of our lives and all that nonsense and then they show on national television with millions of people watching the horses going down the long stretch getting whipped and whipped and whipped and you're going to tell me that that looks good to those animal rights people that are trying to get us to stop using our horses come on that's like the most obvious form of abuse that we're just putting on display for millions of people. You know, I mean, I just think it's a disservice to not only the horses that are getting their butts whipped, but also disservice to all of us as horse people having that demonstrated. You know, there's so many animal rights. See, you got me on another tangent. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) But it just doesn't make any sense to put that on display. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, yeah, no. Yeah. And I, I, I saw, I, I don't know. I mean, because I'm not in racing, but I think my, my, my logic thinks, hey, if they're, if they're laying into the horses, if they're, I mean, potentially the horse is trying to get away from that whip. And if it's getting laterally instead of forward, it's kind of productive anyway. Like why, why, uh, why not just yeah. let these horses run and see who has it on to be the first, you know, that natural instinct and, and the true, the true uh, horse that wants to be out there. So I can get behind that. It's true. And, and, as inventors, you know, I mean, how much more power we get from a, a clock like that, it's it's amazing. And, and if they were doing that as opposed to showing, you know, the general public that is not horsey, them just beating the horse every stride, I don't care if it's a foam whip or not, it looks tremendously terrible. Yeah, I'm with yeah, you. Optics don't, don't, don't help the calls for Mm-mm. sure. So No. No, exactly. It doesn't help the cause. All right. So, Jamie, we are going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. And this quick fire oh, questions gosh. is brought to you by Taylor Harris Insurance Services. So there are five just random silly questions, um, but we do grade you at the end. Strict grading. Very strict oh, grading. God. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like take a test. <laughs> I mean we've we only give out oh a plus pluses gold stars gold medals you don't want to be your first the first b right <laughs> <laughs> right i'm gonna get the dfl award <laughs> all right so the first question is your favorite writer growing up oh gosh you know, I was, I mean, I was that horse racing nerd, so I loved Pat Day because he rode Easy Goer, but I also had a giant poster of Greg Best and Jim Twist in my room. Oh, very good. Excellent yeah. answer. Very good. Dang. Yes. Start now. Really good. Good start. Very solid start. All right. So is there one riding discipline that you've never done but want to try? Polo. I've never hit a polo a polo ball. I, I, I tried cutting 
oh my gosh, cutting is so fun, but it is a lot of work. And then I tried endurance and those people are crazy because that is really uncomfortable. Um, I tried driving. That sucks. That's terrifying. I'm an adventure and I like driving a pony. I was like, I'm going to jump out. That's terrifying. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I've done a lot. I've tried a lot, but that one is one I always wanted to do. Yeah, that would be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So next question. If they made a movie about your life, what actress would you want to play you? Oh, I don't know if I could be quick with that. I mean, obviously, like, you know, somebody really skinny and tall, because that is not me. <laughs> so, somebody tall, skinny, and pretty. Kira Knightley? I don't know. There you, I, go. I, I, you know, I'd love to have a British accent. Kira <laughs> Knightley. Somebody taller, skinnier, and prettier than me. Uh, good answer. I'd 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 have her play me too. You would have her play you too. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, Look at you guys. Some podcast. There we go. All right. All right. Do you have? Any- There's no shortage of tall, skinny, pretty actresses. So you just pick one. I don't yeah. care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any hobbies outside of horses? You know, I play guitar a little bit. Um, I was more of a, you know, I I played in my youth quite a bit, uh, an acoustic guitar, like a hippie, you know, um, <laughs> I, I would go play open mics and stuff like that. So that's yeah. probably the, the thing I did before I had a child. Now the rest of my life is either horses or a child. Yeah. I hear yeah. that. I hear that. <laughs> We're with you. <laughs> yeah. I do kickbox though. I did start kickboxing. So oh. that would probably be what I currently do more than guitar. Wow. Oh. Don't mess with Jamie Jones. No. All right. So last question. If you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? <sighs> this is so hard because there's so many amazing horses like you know, there's, oh, God, I guess, you know, if I'm going past present or, you know, there's just so many amazing eventing horses. And I just, Bruce Davidson had Eagle Lion and that horse always was amazing. And Beagle was always so amazing to me. But I would probably, if I had one horse to choose, I'm going to go back and be a little nerdy because I do love those race horses. I would ride Man o War. He'd probably kill me, but I would try. I'd hang on. (laughs) (laughs) These are great answers. Yeah, very good answers. Karen's some of the best we've ever gotten. Yeah. Jamie. Yeah, A++ and a gold star. And a cherry on top. (laughs) 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 Knocked it out of the park. Uh, Jamie, she's a pro. She's a pro. Yeah, she's a pro. (laughs) So, Jamie. Thank you, guys. This has been really fun. uh, So, Jamie, as a Monty Roberts certified trainer... What advice would you give to someone looking to purchase their first off-track thoroughbred? I mean, as a get help, you know, mm. like you, you, I wouldn't go. That's like me going to buy a used car and not knowing what I'm looking at. You know, the, the, the thing people need the most is, is help. You know, take somebody with you who is educated and, and also, you know, the, 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 the gap between racehorse and riding horse, it's not huge, but it's there. So you need to have somebody who's going to help you kind of decode 
what your horse knows and what they don't know and what you need to show them and, and teach them and, and use patience and be nice and slow with them. And, uh, but yeah, I would say get some help, have somebody, somebody go with you who, and if, if you're that guy, then go there and pick out one that is, has a good brain and that looks, has everything you want. You know, I like to look at a horse, my horse, and I swoon, you know, I'm like, oh my God, he's so pretty. <laughs> so, you know, getting help keeps you from buying those horses. <laughs> <laughs> Get somebody with some knowledge instead of it, you know, other than you'll, and you know what'll happen, Karen, is you'll end up buying a two year old Arabian at a horse show for your daughter. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Bingo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bingo. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, but we've all been there where we see a horse and again, like you said, you swoon over it, you love it. And you think, you know, you know, it's a square peg in a round hole, but you think, oh, we could, you know, yeah. you want to overlook those things, you know, because you're just in love with their, their look or their eye or, or you know, their, their, and, and you're right though. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have somebody, have somebody that, that knows their way around back there to, to help you pick out a horse or go to one of the rescues where the horses have already had their downtime. And, you know, they're probably, to be honest, a lot cheaper. Horse and hound adoption fee is $1,500. Oh, wow. You know, so it's like you can't buy a horse off the track for that amount. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Now, we definitely got to encourage people to go to all those different you know, there's they're all over the country, mm-hmm. and and I would say definitely find one that's reputable, got good references, and and that's the way to go for sure. So, yeah, I mean, New Vocations is so amazing. Friends of Ferdinand is another one that's awesome. You know, and, and the thing about New Vocations is that you can see training videos just like what I post. And, and by the way, you can see the horses that I train uh, on Facebook. It's Fly Over Farm, Jamie Jennings. And then you can go there and see all these horses that are available for adoption. But, you know, ask questions, you know, more than going to the backside of a racetrack, go find a rescue and, 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 and adopt a horse from there. And then you have a better story, a better idea of what the horse is going to do, you know, and and what they're going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most times those type of places aren't going to home a horse with you if they don't think you're the right fit. You know, so you have someone else also. Exactly. Yeah. If this family brought their nine-year-old daughter up to me and they said, we want to buy that two-year-old Arabian, I would be like, no. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, the rescue is going to point you in a better direction because they want the right horse to go to the right home. Hence the right horse initiative. You know, go look at their website. They have a billion horses that are all available for adoption all over the country. It's myrighthorse.org. There we go. I love it. This has been great, Karen. This is great. Jamie, so we'll wrap things up. We really appreciate your time. You mentioned again, could you mention again how, uh, the, the, the Facebook that people can follow and then how can people follow the, the podcasting? Well, you know, here's all the things you can do. You can go, I, I, I'm too old for Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. So I only have Facebook. And uh, it's Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. Usually you just type in Flyover Farm and you can find me. Uh, the podcast is located on any podcast player. There's an app, Horse Radio Network app. You can just plug in Horse Radio Network. Horses in the Morning is one of my shows and Retired Race Horse Radio is the other. Horses in the Morning is more of like a, we get a little more comedic and light in that one. 
Whereas the retired racehorse is pretty focused on the thoroughbreds and telling telling stories about people around the world. So either one of those, you know, we'd appreciate a listen. And, and I'm definitely uh, a new fan of this show and I, I'll be tuning into all of them. Oh, super. Oh. Well, thank you so much. Karen, yeah. was this fantastic? This was fantastic. Jamie, you delivered, you were the guest I hoped you would be. You brought it all. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. And, and uh, we hope everyone goes and I, I assume that when people listen to our show, they're listening to your shows, but if you're not, give them a, give them a chance and, and check them out. Cause they're a lot of fun, different types of show than ours and that's when when we started our show i did not want to mimic you know the horses in the morning or or, or you know the event radio show that horse radio network produced at the time so you know it's different types of show but when it's podcasting you know ch- check them all out we're all in this together and there's plenty of room for everybody to listen to all the different shows so amen brother thanks again jamie for for, for being our guest thank you this has been so much fun i've really enjoyed it thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed today's show Please like Major League Eventing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join our community, Major League Eventers, on Facebook. Cheers!